1: I've been, I've, I've had a busy morning. It's like after years of, or not years, but you know, like a year of like having one thing to do every three days. Like now I'm having like three or four things to do a day. And I'm like, fuck, this is gross. Oh my God. But I was, I'm, I'm going to be on the view Monday morning. So I had to do a pre-interview on about the view, which is (laughs) like, not my scene, but, well, right. we'll see. You know, we'll I think you
2: on The View is going to make The View a <laughs>
1: different
2: thing, and that will serve the program overall, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I told them how um, Megan has me blocked. <laughs> uh, and and I don't know if they want to talk about that. I'm perfectly fine with it. And she's like, no, nah, I think we'll skip over that. Wow. Like, All oh, right. Can't take the heat. Yeah, I know. I know. Um. Well, I mean, I well, let's just say we've already started. This is a podcast called "The Three Questions." I mean, you probably know that because you clicked on it. I mean, unless like you're being held hostage and someone is forcing you to listen to this out of some kind of torture. Well, let me tell you, they're they're wrong. This is this is going to be good. Um, I I have a, a guest today that I am very excited to talk to. I don't know her. Um, I I've never met her uh but she is on uh just one of the best shows i've seen in a long long time and i am not a big fan of comedy no <laughs> kidding i i like i kind of feel like it's like the way that my stepfather plummer wouldn't want to watch HGTV. i just i come home and i want to see murders mm. i want to see you know mafia i i want to you know yeah
2: maybe i don't want to tv
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, Hannah is on a, a show called hacks on HBO, which I started hearing about, you know, like I do from the people I trust mentioning it on Twitter and holy shit. Is it a great show and holy shit. Are you great in it? Oh, thank so thank you for being here. That's
2: so nice. And I've been, yeah. I, I mean, I just tearfully watched you and Conan at, at Lar- Is that shot at Largo?
1: It is Largo, yeah, yeah.
2: Doing the little uh, farewells, and so this whole week has been me, and I mean this in a in a platonic way, consuming the two of you.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a a weird week. It's been a weird week, and it's but I mean it's kind of it's also strange because we've been through things like this we've been through the ends of shows and then like a rap party at the end of show where everyone where we're not quite sure what's going to happen next and then something else happens and then and like and i when i left the conan show like i in in 2000 there was a a period of like the celebration of andy which i, I it was the first time i ever took anti-anxiety drugs <laughs> Because I just found myself being like full of rage. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It was crazy because it was all love and everything. But it was just, I felt like I was a bride at a wedding that wouldn't stop. (laughs) And I just don't like that, you know. I mean, I like some attention, but too much makes me crazy. So I, this, but this one was weird because it is kind of like, it's not a finality, but like I don't think we're going to be coming back and doing any more late night talk showy kind of thing. I mean, it's going to be some kind of different format. So this is kind of it for this show. And you know, we were talking. Jack Black was on the last show, and he had hurt himself. We had a pre-tape bit, and we were trying to figure out how we could use the pre-tape footage and what could we do. Can we do this? Should we have it at all? And and I realized as we're talking about it, like, oh my god, this is the last bit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like this is. Like the thing we've done a million times, which is we got this bit; it's it's going to be done in an hour and a half. How do we fix it? You know, and and I was like, oh my god, this is the last one of these. Um, I mean, not you know ever in my life. Right. It's not like I'm being euthanized.
2: But, <laughs> yeah, certain.
1: You know. So, but anyway, that's enough about me. Um, so, Einbinder—that's obviously a fake name, just because it sounds so cool and it, it's, it's sure. <laughs> It's a sure home uh showbiz home run, wow, right? You are alone
2: in that opinion.
1: No one has ever <laughs> said it's cool.
2: <laughs> People have usually said it's uh, troublesome. Uh,
1: yes, awful. I know, I know. Um wow. It sounds like a like a a a, a school scold in Germany like when somebody <laughs> brings too much in their backpack.
2: Einbinder. Einbinder translates to one uh bookmaker, a bookbinder in German. Oh, okay. So yes, you're right on with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, also just German. Yeah, German just has such.
2: You know, since since the show has come out, I got a lot of long lost cousins. And um, no shit, really. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, are they looking for cash or just looking to be friends? I
2: mean, I mean it hasn't gotten that far, but I, I like. I think maybe three years ago, I was really curious because I've I've never met anyone not related to me with my last name, never, never, never. And so I yeah, searched yeah. Einbinder on Instagram, and a couple of accounts came up, and I um, clicked on them and messaged all of these people and was like, "Hey, are you?" Like, some of them weren't even Jewish. Some of them were, you know, just like so many similarities, but not. Related. None of them were actually related to me, but there was one, um, and this is funny because it actually relates to my my prepared answer for the first question. Oh! Um, but uh, there's someone who said, "Hey, my I found papers saying that my last name was Einbinder with an A, and that's the um, the Yiddish uh, pronunciation of. Binder. Oh, yeah. Um, is it possible that we are are related? And I too years ago found a similar document um that had einbinder on it um so i did message this person and it turns out they're polish i'm russian let's call the whole thing off but you <laughs> know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: it's so weird uh like there's no smith about it you know there's yeah. no uh you know richardson or any of that stuff so it's the einbinder experience is a uh, um a cold and isolating one, like the Russian plane <laughs> we we came from.
1: Were there people that told you, like maybe you know, maybe Hannah Binder, you know, or like, you know, like <laughs> yeah, do something, you know what I mean? Like they were like, <laughs> I mean, I always,
2: I, I still, even today, meet people who have changed their names because their last names are are Jewish, and which is still yeah, funny. It's so like '30s to me. It's yes. it's yes, so wild that that's still a thing, but. Um, I mean, when I was doing open mics, just because I didn't want to like deal with the host, you know, pronouncing my last name wrong, I just wrote Hannah E on the thing, yeah um, on the little piece of paper. But um, no one ever really—it didn't occur to me. Just because I feel like I'd suffered through all of the the like little tiny name uh, mispronunciation and sort of sort of thing my whole life, so I was like, I'm not I'm not going through all that and then nixing it like. Yeah. I yeah. want the pharmacist to be like Einbinder, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, and also too, it, it feels like, I mean, for me, like I was aware when I started in this business that it's kind of a bullshit business. Like there's, <laughs> like it's, there's a lot of, a lot of just like a lot of bullshit, a lot of gross, phony crap yeah. about it. And it's like to start out with like, well, I have to change the name that I've called myself my entire life because of yeah. whatever reason feels like a setting off into like, you know, phony forest being, you know, like I'm going to be phony right at the beginning when it's like, it's a struggle to stay away from that. If it, if it matters, sure. to you, you know, and so. it's
2: also such like a, it's almost kind of like, I mean, uh, everyone should do what, what they wish, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, there's something... that I just, like, can't help but picture these people's ancestors who changed their names and they're just, like, yeah. holding on to keep the generations going through the plague or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Um, someone changes their last name to, like, Star or some shit. And it's just like, wow.
1: Wow, yep. the ghosts are mad, yep. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, I, I do have friends... Like I had a friend who, when I lived in New York, who lived on the Lower East Side, and he was a like a New Jersey Jewish kid, and his grandparents were furious at him because it was like we struggled so hard to get out of that neighborhood, and now you're moving back there, like, <laughs> now, like, like it, you know, it's just like it was like a slap in the face to them. Like, well, I, we don't care how hip it is and how yeah. cool it is. <laughs> an artsy it was gross those you know coffee beans at home you don't need to yeah. <laughs> go there <laughs> that's right now you're you're an LA kid
2: right yeah 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 we've been um we've been here a while we've been here since 1909
1: wow yeah what neighborhood did you grow up in uh
2: Westwood right by Westwood, Westwood.
1: yeah UCLA do you find among LA kids that there's a there's a sort of a a a, a character difference between the different neighborhoods like silver lake kids are different than westwood kids are different than sherman oaks kids
2: i would almost say that it's less about neighborhoods and more about schools like, that makes sense. you know like kids come from all over to go to you know let's say a crossroads yes um, a sort of like you know there are no grades and we don't use pencils only paint and like
3: yeah yeah sort
2: of hippie uh schools. So that's sort of like more what shapes, I think the youth of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I, I, I experienced both the like, you know, um, super artistic, like magnet type thing and also public school for high school. So
3: uh-huh. it's
2: certainly, they are certainly, um, different worlds, but everyone ends up equally as fucked up. So that's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have a, I have a 20 year old son and uh, my kids go to Campbell hall. My daughter's still in Campbell hall. Um, But like, you know, my son's boyfriend is that he's been together with for like four years now, four or five years, uh, which is amazing. Like that they've held together because his boyfriend goes to school in, in Washington DC and Will's here and, at uc or usc uh which i mean as much as that's meant anything in the last year Mm -hmm. but it's just amazing to me that they have been able to hold together a high school relationship much less a la high school relationship and maintain it in a very healthy loving way because
2: it was but remote were they able to stay in the same place and just do school online
1: not not the last semester Uh because uh his boyfriend had a had a lease on an apartment and was like i you know I'm gonna be paying for this apartment. I might as well be in d c. and if anything happens, you know, I can be closer to school. Um, but it was it's been rough. and I mean, and I, you know, on one hand, I want to say, honey, you got to learn to live your own life. I know it's hard, and you but but then on the other end, it's like, Young and in love, and they're miserable when they're apart. Well, how am I to say like yeah. that's wrong? You know, so. Yeah, and
2: I hear, I hear the Gen Zers are are very like anti commitment and all of these things, so that they have that sort of classic thing, super special.
1: Yeah, and it, and they, it's just it's it's just natural. I they don't even you know I never I never get any sense that there there's trouble in paradise. Let's just say mm. I probably already said too much, and he's going to be pissed <laughs> at me. But I, I just bring him up because, you know, my kids are Campbell Hall. Will's, Will's boyfriend is Oakwood. Yeah. And it just really does seem like it just seems like and it doesn't matter where you go to school. They all end up knowing each other. They yeah. all end up like churning in the same froth of, you know, you know, giant house parties in Sherman Oaks, and totally. you, you know, and hangouts and, you know, too much weed,
3: mm, um, is which is now.
1: That and nowadays, yeah, Jesus Christ, it's like it, it's vape pens. It's the vape pens. It's too easy. I I speak from experience. It's like <laughs> it's, there's there's no there's no nothing to tip anyone off. There's just these know. secret pens. You yeah, know?
2: everything looks like a USB. There's no right. You just <laughs> right
1: plug it into
2: your laptop and the teacher right fucking clothes. Yeah.
1: Now, uh what are your? Fo- I mean, I I know what your mom does, but I don't know what your dad does. Um, what, my, are you, what do your folks do?
2: My my dad works in advertising.
1: He uh, he's a director of commercials.
2: Oh wow! Yeah,
1: that's cool. And he's been doing that for a long time. Has he been in advertising and became a director through advertising, or?
2: Yeah, he used to. Um, he used to. He started in the groundlings and then sort of did the path of like uh, groundlings transition to like booker of like commercials basically like he sure he was one of those like you know uh, he did a couple national commercials and then he kind of was like i feel like more of a writer and kind of creative on the other side and so he he transitioned to a director
1: oh that's cool yeah yeah i because that's if i if i had never left chicago i I would be doing advertising i've directed commercials a little bit yeah because uh I started in Chicago in film and, and that was, that means commercials mostly Mm -hmm. if if you're non-union. Um, and I have friends that's, you know, still that just are there and now they're in charge of things. And so I, I've directed a few commercials and now, now that my schedule is uncluttered, I expect to direct some more. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, and your mom is Lorraine Newman. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Um, (laughs) And um, and is she, was she from out here? Is what? she a California? Oh, okay. Yep. So, and did your folks meet at the Groundlings?
2: Uh, my parents met at AA.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. Wow, that's amazing.
2: My favorite of the Hans Christian Andersen Andersen. <laughs> <players.
1: laughs> <laughs> well, that's beauty. it's. It's not exactly anonymous either. That's yeah. the thing. They should yeah. have make up a story or something. Yeah. You know, we
2: met at church.
1: Yeah, not we met through we met we met through jingles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how I mean, how is it to you know, how is it to grow up with two groundlings produced parents? I imagine your mom was a groundling, was she not? Yeah. 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 Is it like you know, get out of bed and go do comedy?
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're late for your two man.
1: (laughs) I want more freeze tags Get down here, young lady. New
2: choice. New choice. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, honestly, it just was it it just was the language spoken in in the house, um, as I'm sure it is in yours. Yeah. Um, And aside from that, there was no pressure. I did not. In fact, I think they probably discouraged me from doing it and I had no desire to do it as a kid. I just liked yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, my mom played a lot of like the LA alternative comics in the car, you know, Dana Gould and well, he's via Boston, but like Dana and, and the Sklar brothers and Maria Bamford and like that sort of seep, seeped into my brain pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there wasn't, I mean, I also was kind of like a, an aimless kid. I didn't have, I liked the news. <laughs> I, liked, <laughs> I liked to watch.
1: It's a good news. way to find out what's happening. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, debatable at this point in time, but. um Right. okay political uh at 11 20 a.m oh good morning
1: um that's all right if i can't tell megan that i'm she blocked me then you can can do it here it's a safe space oh
2: my god great yeah um i i deleted my twitter because i felt that it was um toxic but
1: um, did you was that pre uh hacks
2: it was during hacks. I figured, I said, you know what? I always told myself if, if I ever got any sort of um, temporary job security of any kind, I would, I would leave Twitter because it just made me real, real sad. And I just kind of felt creatively it was not um, a good use of my time. You know?
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: I, I, I wasn't able to divorce my, sort of like comedy brain from uh, thinking of tweets and I just was like not thinking of my stand up So it was like, not great for,
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Nazis found me on there and they like would DM me, like they would just, you know, write shit on my tweets or, um you know, uh, write shit on my friend's tweets. And so I just yeah like, say sayonara guys, but uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I came to it as a grown up. So I kind of, you know, was already had some calluses built up. And um so I and I but I also, too, I am a a, a liberal blocker. I, you know, fuck around, you find out. Like, I just like to me, <laughs> it's like I'm here. I, I'm there mainly for fun, mainly because yeah. I like to. Well, also, too it's it's uh, it's a so you know it's social media I have friends that I have never met you know yeah. and then I have people that I met on there that are now some of the best friends that I have because we spoke this same language of jokes you know and if you if you know that language you can like you can know a person pretty well from like five or six jokes, depending on the jokes. Like you can be like, okay, I I have a pretty good picture of who this person is and I like them or I have a good picture of this person and eh, no thanks. Yeah. You know,
2: that's the truly purest, uh, you know, form of, of the thing. I think that's great. Um,
1: It's, I still try and stick to that, but I don't, I don't succeed all the time.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's the internet. It's cavernous
1: right right Mm -hmm. but yeah but no i i don't blame you i i mean i have my days and i have also deleted it at times yeah yeah. and um and well and now that i don't have a job i might have to like stop (laughs) stop just shitting out jokes for free every time (laughs) it occurs to me at a red light so i might have (laughs) to be like no no i this this one i should i should make some money off
0: of this shit there you go
1: Can't you tell my loves are growing? Were you, I mean, what was school like for you growing? Are, first of all, are you an only kid?
2: No, I have uh, an older sibling and then I have four uh, step-siblings.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. So kind of a, a big, busy house then.
2: Kind of, although not, I mean, everyone's kind of scattered. My my dad, my parents divorced when I was like 20 or 21 So it was put, we didn't grow up together, the, the step siblings and I, but, um, I love them very dearly. I got really lucky, um, in that department. Uh, my, my stepmother, Wendy is also really lovely. She, uh, she um she had she was married twice before. So two of them are my step and two of them are my step step, but they all, oh, wow. all grew up together. So they're all four kind of blood to one another.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: so when I inherited Wendy, I inherited them. Um and they're great. They're all like sort of around my age, you know, they're like yeah, 20, yeah. 24 to 27. Um, it's just like having a a bunch of new friends.
1: That's wonderful. That's really, really great. Like, that's one of my joys is my kids liking their cousins. Like, it just, especially from being kind of isolated from, you know, my homeland, uh, my Midwestern homeland and all my people.
2: Yeah.
1: It's nice that they're making that connection, you know. Yeah. How
2: many uh, brothers and sisters do you have?
1: Uh, I have an older brother and then a younger brother and sister who are technically half brother, but it's like you say I, yeah. I don't think of them as anything other than half. Now you went to public school, you said for high school. Yeah. Where yeah. was that?
2: I went to Beverly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um,
1: and and how and how was that? Did you public school in L.A.? You know.
2: Yeah, it was. It was interesting because I came because I came from. Uh, a, a private art school, um, it was a difficult, uh, a very, very difficult adjustment period. Because, um, you know, I mean, we were, the classes were like Latin and sculpture and like poetry and all of yeah, these, things, yeah. you know, that shit. And everyone in the school I came from had what would be qualified as a learning disability um, by public school standards, you know, hyperactive, attention deficit, maybe a little bit of a spectrumy type situation. Yeah. Um, just neurodivergent kids. Um, yeah. And uh, so going to public school was pretty. Uh, it was it was a really hard transition. Um. And you know, I it was one of those things where I I. I was put in, like, the special classes, which was just, like, not great for the self-esteem. Sure, <laughs> and, you know, sure. Kids are vicious. And so, like, you know, um, it was, the class was called LI, which stood for Learning Impaired.
1: Um, what a great name for it.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks awesome school. stuff. Love that. Yeah. Love that. But, um, yeah. And
1: you're, what, 14 at this point?
2: Yeah, 14. Yeah, what a great
1: time to have that shit laid on you. Yeah.
2: Um, it's like, hey, sorry, you are a woman, but there's more. Um we're also (laughs) learning impaired. So get out there, Chief. Have fun.
1: Maybe they Um, probably thought you didn't know you were a woman because you were (laughs) learning impaired.
2: Yeah, it it wasn't awesome. But um I I, you know, I had a I had a I I always like had a tough go of things socially like as a little kid i was real sensitive and so i think there is something to be said about like the specific brand of psychological warfare of specifically los angeles private school girls yeah um because they absorb the like in some cases uh you know insane qualities of their high-powered parents (laughs) yeah um and sort of yeah, I I just kind of like I feel like we are all kind of born with certain dispositions and personalities, and so yeah, mine always was kind of like people could sniff out my sensitivity, and and um, I I I had to kind of navigate that through uh through through school, and then when I went to public school, it was like it existed in a different way. I feel like, I feel like when I started dating, you know, I just had like, you know, shitty boyfriends back to back. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. so it,
2: it was like, uh, it was, t- I mean, life is, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> but, um- well, yeah, no, but, but I mean, did you, did you learn like coping mechanisms? Like and how did you sort of, I mean, or were you just were you just fucked up, and you know, I'm mean, by fucked up, I mean like beat up. Were you just like beaten up, and then um, got the hell out of there, and were glad to go?
2: You know, I I figure I think I figured it out about you know halfway through high school, but I also was heavily medicated. I I uh, was not able, like I was failing math and science, and it just was not you know I was not at the level of, of my peers. Yeah, and so I, I took they put me on a lot of Adderall and um that kind of shut me down so i didn't really uh i didn't really i guess i didn't really um feel a lot of the things that i was feeling before because i wasn't really feeling a lot of things yeah yeah so um it uh i kind of like i i my i was like when i entered uh public school i was in this group with you know basically i i i was integrated into my um my boyfriend's friend group and those were kind of like the like druggy kids and i'm yeah. like okay hey, cool and then he was like you know terrible and um <laughs> <laughs> and he was like i
1: hope he's listening yeah, fuck you buddy
2: fuck you no i <laughs> he you know forgive and Forget, you know, well, yeah. forgive and remember, actually. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Of course. Forget yeah. Forgetting. What's the point of forgiving and forgetting? You're just gonna do the same thing.
2: There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, I had a lovely friend who's my best friend to this day, Phoebe Mandel. And she um just kind of saw that I was a bit of a loner and just like scooped me up and brought me into her little friend group. And then from then on, I had a a cool girl group. And I was yeah. just with them and it was really nice. Um, That's great. Yeah, she, I, are, she's just so I like I owe her so much. She's the best. She saw me and um, <clears throat> she saw me and we had English together. And she came up to me and she said, "Hey, you know, I know I I was grounded for smoking weed, um, and so I was you know not able to go out with my yeah. boyfriend and his friends, and." <laughs> E.B. came up to me in English class and she said, hey, um, I don't think anyone's going to tell you this, but I saw um, I saw him hooking up with this girl at a party this weekend. And I just wanted to let you know, because, you know, I don't think there are people around you who are going to tell you. And so um, I broke up with him and she kind of was like, do you want to be friends with me? <laughs> and it oh, was that's so great. Nice. And I, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, she's the best. That's yeah, I think that's just what you kinda I mean on this podcast, a uh, frequent frequent topic because you know it I would say the bulk of this podcast has been funny weirdos <laughs> and when since we're talking about your youth, it the topic of finding your tribe comes up all the time, and it is yeah essential because. Like my my daughter's fifteen, and she went through that mean girl, horrible shit, and, and the particularly toxic LA version of it. Mm-hmm. And now she just she's like, "All right, well, that's gonna keep going on. I'm not gonna, you know, I'll just go over here with these cool people, yeah, and we'll hang out and be nice to each other. And that's really all there is to do. You're not gonna change, certainly not the culture of this place. No, no. Um, you just are gonna have to." find the good ones and there's a lot of really you know i will do there's a lot of really great fucking people here you know i mean this town for as much and as much as it's deserved reputation as horseshitville um there's a lot of really great real people here and it's a real place to live you know
2: yeah
1: um totally yeah so uh did, did you go to college at all?
2: I did. I went to Chapman University in uh, Orange County, California.
1: Sure, the Hewell Hauser uh, University.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> did you do you know anything about that? That's why I know Chapman. Really? Is cuz you know Hewell Hauser?
2: Um honestly, I've heard the name
1: but I actually don't I don't. Know yeah, he's a PB he was a PBS host here for years and years and years and it was always like this show sponsored by the California teachers board <laughs> and the, you know, and then like the California school drivers bus board and it's all just, you know, going out to some weird place in the desert and talking to old people. And it is just <laughs> the most meditative TV. Will Farrell d- did a parody of him and a lot of James, uh, James Domian does an amazing version right. of Huell yeah. but I recommend it just as weird. Like just Google and look at some YouTube clips, because it is the weirdest, some of the weirdest, most, like, almost has, like, a Jim jarmusch feel to it in a very naive way, you know, like, just really, really odd stuff. But anyway, his archives are at Chapman University, and now that he's passed away, that always says that at the end, so...
2: Yeah, he um,
1: fascinating stuff, I know, but uh,
2: <laughs> I mean, look, you know, it Chapman is, is full of those little, like, well, did you know that this person is a donor? Like, it's all, yeah, of that. yeah, it's yeah. super, it's super like, um, it feels like Chapman's existence is just like running. 10 feet behind usc just like trying so desperately to get. yeah them.
1: yeah yeah every yeah. batman
2: kid's story was that they didn't get into usc like all <laughs> of the all of the dance majors were like five two you know <laughs> it, it was just like they got the skill and they're the weirdos but like they you know all, none of us like just really made the cut in any yeah like, yeah in any real way so it was just full of like the 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 like defected jelly bellies that were just like weirdly shaped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> were you were you uh uh did you live in a dorm there or were you commuting or
2: freshman year yeah I lived in a a dorm and um then my my sophomore year I lived in a house that was it's a, it's an old town orange so a lot of the houses are historical landmarks because they're over 100 years old yeah and um i lived in a house that was like 116 years old and um the pipes were just terrible and um yeah it uh we <laughs> one it was a it was like a party house that we yeah, inherited yeah. and you know we just like kind of went in there and um the pipes burst uh during finals and the place flooded um and that was you know
1: helpful yeah
2: that was a metaphor for what was to come so Yeah, you know, best results. But um, yeah, it, uh, it was kind of scattered our living situation. I don't even remember where I lived my senior year. Where did I live? Oh yeah. I lived in a different, a different little house. It was very, like all the kids, you know, just kind of like lived in small houses in the, in, the, in the neighborhood around school.
1: Yeah. Did it feel like you were away from home when you lived there? Or did you, I mean, did you, so did you, you know, cause I mean, there's a difference if you stay home for college, you it, it's a different kind of development than if you're off on your own. you Yes, know?
2: totally. It, 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 didn't feel like, I mean, it didn't feel like either of my parents were going to, you know, uh, drive up in a huff yeah, yeah. me or anything, but uh, I, I did, I mean, I did end up towards the end of school going back to LA a lot just to start doing open mics. So yeah. I, I did see my parents, I, I did see my mom a lot. Um, so it felt pretty close, but it also was, you know, it's such a radically different culture in Orange County. It's oh, sure. It so is. Insane yeah. And
1: it's terrible. amazing.
2: I mean, yeah. Amazing. Um, what we're, what
1: we're- no, no. Terrible. <laughs> Say, I mean, the difference is amazing, but yeah, but I, yeah, no, I, it's like, I can't. Terrible. It feels like it's uh, 12 hours away yeah. rather than one and a half or whatever.
2: It is, you know? I mean, I am so amazed by the the tr- the truth of the Los Angeles bubble Literally, yeah. It's so, it is truly, I mean, so, it just, it feels so big because you're sitting in traffic for so long, but it's so small, you know, yeah. just is so radically different. I mean, it's like, I would see, Because it's such a mindfuck. You see kids on the street and they have like surfboards and blonde hair. And you're like, oh, this must be a radical, gnarly dude. Super liberal, super cool, hang loose. He's in the ocean. He's connected to forces greater than himself. He's, you know, really... Of uh, like a far out guy and then like you know you overhear him being like coronavirus was synthesized in a lab by liberals to stop Donald <laughs> Trump and you're just like what the fuck is this yep. intersection of like yeah California culture and like psychotic
1: shit and hickism, hickism. You know? yeah
2: it's wild
1: yeah well now what was your major what what would you start out I
2: started out as um I was in the film school in Dodge College, and I started out as t- uh, television, re- or um, uh, re- television broadcast journalism, because I, I, um, I read the New York Times cover to cover every morning, in, in high school and in the beginning of college, because I was again on so much Adderall, um, and <laughs> so I was like, I want to be Rachel Maddow, and I, yeah, yeah, you
1: know, <laughs> I want to be two Rachel Maddow, <laughs> yeah,
2: fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Um it it was uh it, it, I I like I guess in retrospect like Rachel Maddow truly is a, an actor, right? Because she's mm-hmm. I mean an orator truly. Yes. She is yes. selling the cop
1: and it's you know? it's a it's a TV show. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. I mean it it's when you when you look at like old Walter Cronkite just like just relaying facts and yeah. you know just literally, you know, like C-span adjacent, just like, yeah, whatever. You, I mean, there's so much um, theater involved in MSNBC. It's truly, I mean, what uh, my favorite thing that Rachel does is um, the, uh, I guess the way that she gestures with her pencil, the pencil yeah. to me is just, you know, bouncing it on the table and, you the, you know you know sort of just like wiggling it around and just like the way that she sort of is, as if it's a wand it's like yes, this is yes theater this is a monologue you are an actress you're right. and she's you know she's great but um, yeah yeah so she
1: does she does one thing though i mean i'm just going to bitch about it right here for a second <laughs> um because it's, it because it is like it's a tv technique like yeah uh andy kindler one time said he said sometimes rachel maddow presents information as if she's talking to someone who's never heard information before. <laughs> <laughs> and and she does that and what I see in it is it's a stretch like it's stretching because like say there's like you know there's like a a toxic dump behind a, a a preschool that's owned by a congressman and she'll say like this congressman owns a preschool. And there's a toxic dump behind it. There's a toxic dump <laughs> in property that's owned by a representative. And it's a preschool preschool with children in it right. that's owned by a representative. There's a toxic dump. And it's she's like four years old, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we come on. We know, we know, yeah. we know, you know, but it's like, okay. She just probably doesn't have like, you know, it's just not. She yeah, ripping. she's just ripping, trying to fill up that, that that top act you know she's on the road you
0: know love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places well working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like t-mobile we have america's largest 5g network so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop we have the 5g speed you need whatever takes you on the go t-mobile's got you covered Find out more at t slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
4: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a Lifetime Membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod50 to get 50% off your Lifetime Membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod50 for 50% off.
1: Can't you tell my loves are growing? So you really did? You think that's what you're going to do? What what dissuaded you from that? Um, honestly,
2: I I started doing improv at uh, at m- on my school's team, and I kind of was yeah. like, oh i I don't think that I'm. Um, I, I think I'm kind of going on a different path. Yeah. Um, I just started. Doing improv, and I, I wasn't really great at it to be honest in the beginning, and really, the middle or, or the end. Now, <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> I, I, oh, come on! It, you know, I, I am, I, I will say, I'm good at it now, um, yeah. because I have sort of, um, because I am able to do this, this sort of free thinking and. Um, or or not thinking that is required
1: yeah Uh, getting out of yourself
2: yeah but because I was coming out of this like sort of drug haze I was so in my head and I was unable to you know it was just like should I say this oh no like just like the cyclical uh criticism internally that was really stopping me from you know getting words out yeah um but I, I I loved watching everybody on my team because they were so so good so so good, um, and it was it was so um, it was so great. I I just like I was on a I was working as like a PA on a film set, and this I just started talking to someone, and he was like, you know, you should try out for the team. Like you, and I didn't even know it existed, honestly, on campus. Oh wow! Um, I thought, I mean. I kind of, I guess I, I had a little bit of a a crush on him. And so I was like, are you going to be there? You know, I just kind (laughs) of like, sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um,
2: and then I, I, I did, I did, uh, I went to the, um, tryouts and, um, I, I remember like crying afterwards for the first time in a really long time. Um, Cause I just was like, I did something vulnerable and I didn't feel comfortable and it's, you know, scared me. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I got a, I got a, a callback for the next, um, round and I didn't take my Adderall, um, for like the first time in years. And I actually did, like, I was able to be there and present and I just was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm changing everything. Like this actually worked and I never took, um adderall ever again and i just started doing you know comedy
1: i guess yeah yeah was that a big turning point i mean you know was it do you think it really was just that simple of of stopping taking that medication
2: um yeah yeah Yeah. i i was truly a different person i think um yeah really like muted and um kind of zombie ish, you know, Mm -hmm. when you have ADD and ADHD, Adderall does not act as a stimulant. It, it counteracts, you know, what's going on already.
1: My, I'm familiar. I mean, as someone with ADD, you know, who took it for a while and then for just various old man health reasons, like blood pressure. Yeah. I, I can't do it anymore, which is okay. You know, I just, I have, I've had to learn to cope uh, you know, like with the fact that I can't read a book, uh, <laughs> you know, but I have to read a book in like 10 minute chunks.
2: Yeah. Um, well, you got to love the book. You got to really love it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then you're obsessed,
2: yes. right?
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, but my kids are on it, you know, my kids have the same thing and my kids are on it and it's been, it's not always great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, all in all with the different adjustments it's it's kind of it is somewhat necessary you know like um my daughter went from being a kid that couldn't in her chair. Mm-hmm. I mean and literally for I think it was like through third grade would, the teacher would look and she'd be gone. <laughs> which is not good. Like teachers do not like to see that a child is just plain missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'd just be like at the nurse's office chatting with them. Oh or, you know, a courtyard over, you know <laughs> looking at a tree. Um, But she's a straight A student now. She just finished her freshman year of high school. And I mean, when she started doing homework too, it was the entire household's homework. Yes. Like, you know, it it was everyone's, I, when I I would come home from work and until she went to bed, it was about her homework. Yes. And um, Mm -hmm. that was really rough. Yeah. Um, And there was, and like I say, there was adjustment, but I mean, I do think it's necessary, but I also you know, I've been through what you're talking about with them too, you know, and, and you have to make these adjustments because it's just, I mean, I was, I was a fucking rat. I didn't ever have, I, and when in my youth, I didn't have anything like that. Yeah. I just had, I just had a miserable time. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I got B's like I got, I was like a B plus A minus student. But, and always with like, you could do so much better if you just apply yourself. And it's right. like, well, I can't fucking apply myself, yeah. you know? No, totally. And co- and then when you get to college and there's, you know, drugs introduced and mm-hmm. just life outside of anyone's control, it gets yeah. even worse. And I mean, I just felt like at times like a hoarder in my junk pile of unfinished tasks, I know. you know? Almost like it was keeping me warm, like well, if I do one thing, then I'll have to confront all of them. I'll just lay here under this big pile of my own shitty disappointment um, but
2: it's why but it's why you are so good at what you do it's it's like the key of of your um ability to sort of like rapid fire, yeah it's such a, be- it's such a gift,
1: you know, it, it it is. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, I could, I can be very much in the moment and I can not so much anymore, but like when I was doing improv all the time, I had the experience of things coming out of my mouth that I was surprised, like, <laughs> like, like good things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the perfect ender to this, to this scene
2: right.
3: and
1: it would come out of my mouth and I'd be like, that just came out, you know, yeah. like, and that's fucking magical when that happens.
2: It is. Um, and, and I I I completely um feel you on on like I think it's just it's that like we as as like ADD, ADH people are kind of like a round
1: um yeah.
2: peg in a in the square hole of the system man. and like you know, <laughs>
1: your kids yeah. are like that. Have you seen the Joker? <laughs> um <laughs>
2: It's like looking in a fucking mirror.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never seen my own autobiography so portrayed so well. I look great in green and purple too. That's
2: just a side note. But, um, but you know, it's like you and your kids and me, and by the way, and both my parents were on Adderall, and my older sibling, we were all on it. It was the only,
3: yeah.
2: you know, good morning, and here's your coffee, and here's your yeah. meth. But yeah, yeah, like you know, I. I wasn't a B student. I was getting, I was getting F's. Like I was failing these classes. It was a last yeah. resort. And it was, you know, the only reason I graduated public school. Like it, it did serve that purpose. And I also am so like, I, I really think it's dangerous to say like this drug is bad. Like it does yes. help people. And like every, you know, everything in, in moderation and you know, different brain chemistry, whatever. I just got to the point where I was taking too much. And, um, I was on it too long, you know, and I was at school for something creative, you know, I, I didn't need it. You know, you, you, you get through math and science and then you go to, you know, in my case, you go to a liberal arts school and you can just do English and, you know, all the things that you love. And, um, so yeah, and I, I also was just smoking way too much weed and it was like very high potency and, you know, every, just constantly. So I I was, there was a whole other factor there, but, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, know. that's that's the other thing too, is that like uh you know, weed for me, especially when I was young, weed was like self-medicating for depression. Sure. But then, you know, when you then start to actually, you know, get a health plan and you can take medication <laughs> that's a mood stabilizer. Yeah. I always felt like the periods when I was smoking weed, it was like, I'm on these uh, you know, high tech mood stabilizers. Let me get a a bucket of marbles and dump them on the floor <laughs> of my mood you know <laughs> like let me get let me get real stone and then wonder why i feel so shaky the next day oh you know? my god you know
2: yeah yeah so there is something to like i don't know what's your experience like with weed now it
1: is it do you i have I ha- I really kind of have to avoid it. Yeah. I still like it a lot. I just, for me, the basic thing about it is it's like a contentment toggle switch. Sure. I can be, and I, and I mean, and I actually have come a long way just in terms of like being a depressed person. Yeah. I have gotten pretty undepressed in the last probably 10 years. And it's been a process, but it's, and it's been for very, lots of different things. One of which could just possibly be like, I just stopped. You know, like I got to be an age where just whatever the brain chemistry factory, you know, which would be my brain, um, <laughs> just kind of started to regulate in a better way. Whereas, you know, I went through years of of, you know, like the cause, you know, the 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 things are like your love life, your career, you know, like your sort of artistic set, you know, like those those three, you know, channels were full and fruitful and lovely. You know, I was in love. I had a great job. I felt fulfilled creatively and I still didn't give a shit whether I was alive or not. Yeah. I still walked around feeling like just who cares about anything, you know, of course. and it, and it, and it blows. And so, but I mean, I got, I got past that and now, I mean, I still like, I, And it's what's also nice about going on and off the wagon uh, with weed is like the first time you get high after not getting high for a while is fantastic. It's the greatest. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, but then three days later, I'm like, I haven't done a fucking thing. Yeah, I have not, you know, like the sink is full of dishes, Uh. uh, you know. I watched a lot of that kind of mediocre Italian crime drama, uh, but, but, you know, I haven't really done any of the things I need to do. And also I eat like a, just, at, you know, like it's something, it's like there's a dinner bell at 10 p.m. That I do not need ringing. Um, and it, so it just, I just have to abstain. It's like one of those just grown up things of like, yeah, it is. You know, skiing is fun, but you could break your leg. And do you want to break your leg? No, I don't. You know,
2: there is some, there is absolutely something to the, um, having a doing it for the first time in a very long time and it's out of your system and then you feel this sort of like clean high and you accept you know you expect that the next day it is going to be like you're you're just ruined you can only do it once in a while and then not again right right but i have found like in in I, I'm not, I'm not on any, any sort of medication, uh, right now. I haven't been since Adderall, although I would probably benefit from a little bit of an anti-anxiety, but look, you know, it's fine. It gives me an edge. That's fine. Um, I, I like to, um, what has worked for me has been to only smoke weed during the day when I am out on a walk and it's sunny because that you just, I mean, you just put on the Scissor Sisters and I feel like and you know. You just fucking. Oh my yep. god! It yeah, is what way. could go wrong? Yeah, truly. Yeah. I can't Smoke weed if there are walls, you know.
1: Yeah. Can't, yeah.
2: Can't do it indoors. You gotta be out. It's gotta be sunny. You gotta be, you know, sunscreen and a and a and a dream. Like that's the <laughs> only way for me and a smart hat yes oh my god know? okay yes yes oh my god i mean don't make me break out my sun hat because you won't be able to see my all father.
1: right yeah we could do a trying on hats montage <laughs> on an audio podcast
2: yes you um, you doing the classic hand on hmm, chin shaking now shaking, no, shaking not now. that one and then yeah um it's um yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird journey like navigating these brains, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a while, you know. It yeah. takes a while. Um So anyway, let's keep going with your life. Um you are you, you get out of college and just come home and do stand up pretty yeah. much, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I just
2: uh I just um I started doing um yeah open mics uh, you know obviously like a psycho every night like night crawler out there just um yeah you know um as many as i possibly could and then um you know get that sort of i i sometimes like romanticize the beginning when i knew no one and i kind of was just like uh alone just you know um in the corner of like all of these places that have gone out of business <laughs> like
1: yeah yeah this, yeah
2: trying it. And, um, from there, you know, you just, you get booked on shows and, um, from there, it just kind of became like a thing where I, I, uh, I mean, there are so many, the LA comedy scene is both like, you know, um, it's both very, very difficult and like a lovely, supportive, great place. Um, yeah. Coming up here is like, so, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse for, for most, I think, because you're just like, so it's great because you can, you can really go quickly because there are, you know, scouts in the audience or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's also like, you know, you kind of get off to a running starter, at least in my case, I kind of like, you know, one year, two years in, I, I kind of started to like, I got management and then I kind of like started to do opening gigs and like started to do, you know, the Colbert thing. And, um, Mm -hmm. it almost felt like when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh my God, I can catch up. Like I can, Oh wow. I can kind of catch up to the opportunity, which is obviously the most horrific thing for anyone to say, because Jesus Christ, shouldn't you be ready? And so many people are so talented and so ready and, uh, you know, are still waiting. And so, you know, of course saying that makes me feel terrible, but it, it just was the reality of, yeah. you know, I, I was like, okay, so now I gotta, I gotta get my hour together, but I'm only four years in to stand up. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, no, it's uh, nobody's really ready, ready. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, there are some people that are ready, but you don't, until you're there, you don't, you're not aware of like what it takes, and I mean, and stand up is its own its own thing. Yeah, but I, always, I mean, I just remember when I started to get, you know, because I perform, I performed improv forever in Chicago, and then I did a stage show forever, and then when I started to get real, uh, you know, like auditions that weren't just for some like a Walgreens commer- you know, yeah. an extra in a Walgreens commercial. I just felt like, well, they're treating me like I'm legit, and I guess I just should act like it, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'll figure it out as they go, you know. Like my first, when I got my first job on a movie, it was a small speaking role on a movie, I didn't have any idea what the fuck I was doing. Yeah, and you just have to be like, like, you know, all right, let's let's turn it around, let's come around, and like, <laughs> I that?
3: That mean. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. and then you just stand there for a minute and wait like oh oh that's what that means okay okay you so know um but it's yeah there's you, you know do you think that the well first of all i want to ask this um why why stand up versus improv since you had done both
2: i am so much better when i can prepare um i see i feel so um I feel like I really need time to articulate myself because I'm so scatterbrained um, and because I have, you know, anxiety. And I feel uh, like, you know, I'm always, when I am, I I haven't done improv in a really long time. So I would be interested to see, um, I would be interested to see what it felt like now when I feel more confident on stage and as a comedian and, you know, Etc. Yeah, but I, I at the time I was like, God, I, I, I went home from every improv practice, and I was like, I should have said this, there, this, there, oh, this, yeah, there, this, yeah. there, and it would have been great had I thought of it in the moment. But it really has to do with, I think, my um, comfortability in my head and in my body, which I was not, you know. Mm-hmm. So stand up was like, I can go home. I can take hours and days and weeks and months and work on something and uh, make sure that it aligns with how I actually feel, what I actually think, my intentions, et cetera. And that, that is something that I, I feel I need time to do because if I, if I just blurt things, I feel like I don't always um, articulate myself as well as I know I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So did COVID then end end up being sort of like a good thing for you in the terms of like, just giving you even a a, a hyper extended kind of version of that phenomenon. Yeah,
2: it was that and all the depth. That was I was like, okay, <laughs> this is awesome. Do you
1: have to be a bummer?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I I no, I mean I I like I I think the break was was um I will tell you, I had nine months of writer's block. uh,
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Before
2: the pandemic hit. And the first week, I was just clickety clackety on the keys.
1: Oh, that's great. Day one.
2: All of the pressure of this, uh, you know, of the industry that had collapsed before my eyes just released. And I said, oh, it's gone. Now it's just about the work. And I have no external forces pushing me to hurry up and be ready for quote unquote, you know, an hour. And I feel like I can just do the, this art form. Um, Yeah. I always wrote from my room. I don't really talk about like this happened to me today or last week or whatever on stage. So I've always kind of written in captivity. Um, And again, I, I, I'm like, so, conscious of the fact that like there are so many comedians who have hours and hours and, you know, the experience of like, uh, needing to catch up is, uh, a fortunate one. Um, yeah, for yeah. certain. Um, but, uh, it just was, you know, the, the way it was for me. Um, yeah. then, you know, uh, hacks happened during the, um, the pandemic entirely. Um, from start to finish, just like the casting process was going on during that time. So I kind of picked up in this other way and it was like, oh, I get to do this completely different yet um, similar core uh, thing of, of comedy and comedic acting, which was, you know, um, that that was also kind of like a a beautiful departure from any sort of um, it almost didn't feel, I mean, yes, there was pressure certainly, but it felt like because I was coming at it from such a, a new comer position, I guess I, Mm -hmm. I felt like it was um, kind of pure, you know, there's, there wasn't um, like years and years and years of, with, like with stand-up where, you know, it became, it became uh, like work stand-up. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really, I was like, okay, I got a clock in and I got to figure this out. And it, you know, took kind of the fun out of it. And I felt like, I don't know, I was able to kind of transfer the feeling that I got with, with getting that break from it to
1: the acting. If yeah. That makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Yeah. Um, and I, because was, it was it, was it daunting to be put into this thing where you were going to be acting so much? Had you acted, I mean, just in quantity of acting, had you done that before?
2: Before Hacks, I had a, maybe two lines in a buddy of mine's film.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Like, I just played like a waitress and I was like, hey, Johnny, or whatever, you know? Right. Like- <laughs> oh, that was you. Yes. Oh, you're at the Hey Johnny gal. I am. Waitress number seven. Blue eyeshadow. Okay, that's me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was my first. Yeah. It kind of was just like, all right, well, I feel like human beings, we just will adapt. We a yeah. pandemic hit and everyone. The air was poison, and we all were like, "All right, mask up." Yeah, like we all just were like, "That's the world now," you know. Yeah, just I just felt like I was like, "All right, this is the world now," and yeah, I was scared shitless, of course. But
1: um, right, you know. Well, it's like I said, I and I, I throughout my life have relied on other people in a relative kind of way, and and and. You know, like you're working with people and especially on this show, you're working with people with a real track record and people that Mm -hmm. it's just they're inherently talented. Like they know what they're doing. They're smart. uh, You read the script. Yeah, this is great. They're they're saying to me. We think you can do this. And I was and I mean, that's I've been that whole way like all these people around me and they seem they're capable. I know they're capable. They're saying I can do this. All right, I'm gonna just take them at their word and just do oh. it. You know?
2: Yeah, I think I got I got to that point. Maybe when we had like a week left, and the, <laughs> <in> the <entire laughs> shit. I was like, well, they believe in me. I literally, I literally think the day we wrapped, I felt that way. Yeah, like I really. <laughs> Genuinely it takes a while was yeah. because there is such an active force within me telling me that like, I'm not shit, honestly, like
3: mm-hmm. it
2: just is like so loud and it is ever present in every area of my life. And so yeah. this was such a, this challenged that so much. Cause I'm like, so you don't believe Jean smart. You don't yeah. believe Lucia and yellow. You don't believe Paul W. Downs, Jen Statsky. You don't believe Mike, sure. Okay. Yeah. What's wrong? Like what really, what you can't, what do
1: you know that they don't know?
2: Yeah. Nothing is the answer. The answer is nothing (laughs) to that question. So it's like, you know, uh, what do you, this is, uh, not serving us girly, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You need to get yourself a posse of sycophants,
2: yeah, I gotta get yeah. A, yes, men.
1: Right, right. Oh my God, you're so fantastic and constantly fussing with you, and you yeah. know, like,
2: yeah, well, she's you wrong. know de-
1: you're demand- <laughs> demanding a break every three minutes to fix your makeup. <laughs> you know yeah, well, what it I mean, professionally, and I mean and I you know we I'm sure you've talked about hacks a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I just wonder if there's like what's kind of the intangible thing that you've gotten out of it. Not like, you know, people now know who you are and there's, you know, career opportunities, but is there something that you got out of it that like is just personal and, you know. I mean,
2: aside from aside from this group of new friends and people I consider, you know, family now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would
2: say what I just what i just mentioned about you know having no choice but to bend the knee to uh the idea that i am good yeah could be good yeah or worthy of the opportunity like because yeah. of all of the people i respect more than anyone telling me that yeah i am and that is not something I experience. Like I
1: yeah, can't yeah. do that
2: thing of like, good job, Hannah. Like I don't have it's I was born without that in like written into my mm-hmm. situation. So I I I really more than anything, um am so fucking grateful for that because the moments I am able to feel it, it feels really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? well I mean it you know it takes time and you'll develop that and and I and like I say and having used that same methodology it's good it works um I also would recommend as a as sort of like a side strategy the old look at that fucking guy if that fucking guy can do this I can fucking
3: do this.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ, look at how shitty that thing is good <laughs> Lord, I can do better than that you know that has been a huge engine in my in my career and in my life I Love it. oh because it's just like there's so much shit out there that it's yeah. real easy to go like well i'm a better form turd than that you yeah. know
2: i guess I'm, um, I'm 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 look i'm no sharknado but i can
1: <laughs> <laughs> i uh... i'm just saying give it a try give mm-hmm. judgment a try and, yeah, and see I, how it works for I'll you. I'll
2: put my toes into judgment. <laughs> I think that's what the episode should be called, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a memoir. I don't know.
1: Yes, right. Something. Um, well, what are you looking forward to? What's 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 ahead for you? What's kind of like your ideal path from here on out?
2: You know, and it doesn't um, have to be
1: work. You know, I mean, I always love it when people answer that, when it's not about work
2: yeah no pressure. Um.
1: <laughs> you knew what this podcast was about.
2: <laughs> no, no. Um, I think uh the truth is, I am looking forward to peace. yeah. uh i hope i I hope I will um reach peace. Um, and uh that's like in my physical self, emotional self, life the world at large um, mm-hmm. just uh, a little a little bit of peace because um i i i just hope to i just hope to experience um a little bit of that quiet and a little bit of that um feeling of calm and uh sort of the pat on the back and the being okay, I guess.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's patience and it's, it's self-love. Cause I, you know, the one thing, you know, cause the other thing is like, well, the, what you've learned of this. One thing I've learned is that like years and years of being you fucking lazy piece of shit. What's wrong with you? Why don't you yeah. do this? It didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help. What helps is like, Hey, you're a good person and, you know, really let's look at the positive aspects of doing this thing that you're having trouble doing. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And it's, you know, it's a change in conversation and it's, it's a seeking peace in yourself. Yeah, You know, that's one of the things, one of the things that I, I mean, I'm not big on like aphorisms or anything, but one of the things that I tell my kids is work for peace, Mm
3: -hmm. like within,
1: within your life, within your family, when something, when you're about to say something, think about it before you say it. Is this is this a weapon or is this an olive branch? Mm. Is this going to make things better or is this just is this just you taking out your trash?
0: Yeah, you
1: know, and and so I think you're on the right track. It just it takes time, you know. Yeah. And I only say this stuff because I'm old. That's you know, I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't mean to be, you know. I'm not Doctor Laura or anything. No,
2: are you kidding me? Um, I yeah. This is like I I should this is like i i am obsessed with talking about this and also like it i we clearly have certain like similarities in our dispositions yes. and it's like i have nothing but you know respect and love for for you and your you know your work and oh thank and you you as a comedian and it's so lovely to to get a little bit of wisdom i feel like
1: oh like, good i'm glad i'm glad yeah. took you long enough to say that shit <laughs> <laughs> all right well i guess i mean is there is there anything that you can add to kind of what you've learned i mean as the final one <laughs> she really cracked up with that i just don't I, you know i mean i don't want to keep you anymore you know
2: oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> Same time tomorrow.
1: Uh. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if you can handle the fee. Well, you got SAG insurance. That's it's not the best, but it'll do. Look, you know. um, Sorry, what was what was your? (laughs) You know the what have you learned part of this thing of this podcast? Like,
2: (sighs) I mean, to compliment you up top is the number one. That's going to stay with me for the rest of my day. Yeah, there, there you go. There uh,
1: you go. I have. I guess more generally is yeah. what I mean. Um, You know,
2: that uh, something that I've learned that I, I feel, um, I feel like I, I know this, but I guess I want to say I've learned it and that its importance has become even uh, more, um, I suppose. Relevant or stressed to me from talking is that we um, we are all really like, especially comedians, operating from a very similar place, and so um, I guess uh, remaining open, remaining communicative, and remaining um, willing to be vulnerable
1: with, mm-hmm.
2: with one another is is really the key to the most beautiful, um, human connection.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, and that's, I feel like the most important thing that any human being could ever do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Almost>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, growth isn't going to happen if you're, if you're closed and the whole point is growth, Yeah. you know? And I mean, you know, like, the way muscle grows, you know, it involves tearing down yeah. tissue on a cellular level. It scars over and it builds more. And it's like, so it's this constant process of, uh, well, I guess destruction, reclamation, you know, getting rid of old and getting in and in, in introducing new and clearing out the deadwood for place for new stuff to grow. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I, I I'm all for that. Um, Me too. And thank you so much for doing this. Uh, It's great talking to you. It was uh, and 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 kudos on the show and 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 on your stand up and um, you know, keep on chugging along.
2: Thank you, Andy. I'm you're so, welcome. I'm so grateful for this time and also you and your voice and yourself. Uh, you know expanding, you know, across many years, but not so many years,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Lots and lots of years. It's okay.
2: Thank you for everything you've given sure.
1: me. Sure. And all of us. Well, thank you. And thank you all out there. That's really nice of you, by the way. And thank all of you out there for listening uh, to the three questions. And we'll be back next week with more. Still three, though.
4: Are <laughs> you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts.
1: Can't you tell my love's a growing? This has been.
4: A Team Cocoa production in association with Earwolf.